It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday morning service in downtown Covington, June 27th. Today's message is entitled, God with us with others. We're going to be picking up the idea that we began exploring last week about the incarnation of Jesus and the ramifications for the incarnation of Christ on our lives. So we're going to further explore how that relates to relating with other people that are not Christians or not Christ followers. So good talk here, and uh, I think you'll find this very helpful. We're also going to be making available resources on the web that are kind of tied into this uh, topic, as you may have noticed with last week's reading. So I encourage you to check that out, northshorevineyard.org. And don't forget, we do have some small groups going that you can find out about on our website as well, which will be meeting on Wednesday and Thursday nights. Thanks for listening. Now off to the talk. So last week, if, if you weren't here, I did a message called God with us. And today I'm doing a message called God with us with others. So the, the idea that I said that we'd be looking into for a few weeks is this idea of the incarnation of Jesus. We tend to focus on the words of the Jesus, but we miss the amazing statement that it made about God, that God takes on the form of human flesh and enters into the world that we live in. And, and so we're going to be exploring that, the ramifications of that for a few weeks. So last week, your homework was to love someone and listen to them. Anybody try that this week? Okay, we had a few. Was it, how, how'd that work for you? It's a little hard, a little difficult maybe at first, but the idea is that as a church, as Christians, we want to, we want to take the example of Jesus and enter into the world of others and, and, and love them, not on our terms, with our agenda, but love them right where they're at because, oh yeah, yeah, uh, pass the offering around, I'm sorry. What kind of preacher am I? <laughs> If you came prepared to give, the, yeah, there's people itching. So uh, uh, you can, uh, we'll, we'll pass that around. I'll take this opportunity to get my hula hoops too. Just a little bit of mystery here. <laughs> um, but we talked about how, how it... How, how to truly show someone you love them is to truly step into their world and... and Boy, as a church, we, as, as Christians in America, I think this is a, something that we don't see often. We want to let people know what we believe, uh, how we feel on social issues uh, or, the, or the latest political issues of our day, but we don't really want to enter into somebody else's world and love them. So we're going to look at what that means. So today the text, if you have your Bible, you don't really need to, to read it because I'm going to read it out to you. It's more of a story, and I think it's probably better to listen to it um, So this is John 4, and this is a lot of verses, but it's a good story. John 4, starting verse 1. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. All those disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score and that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. 
He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field of Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. And Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink? How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? The woman replied. And Jesus said, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman replied, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? And Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Not ever. This water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. We'll never have to come back to this well again. So Jesus says, go call your husband and then come back. Uh, I have no husband. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman replies, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And Jesus says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, the disciples came back, and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come see a man who knew about all the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days, and a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had said. They said to the woman, We're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He is the Savior of the world. I love that story. That's one of my favorite stories out of the New Testament. And there's, there's so many kind of nuggets we can take away, but I think the one thing that really stands out to me in this story is the transcending love of God, the boundary-transcending love of God. God is, in, in this story, we, we kind of see this as modern American readers, and, and we kind of miss it, but what's really happening is Jesus is jumping over one boundary after another, one fence after another, to reach this woman in the world that she lives in. So I want to look at a few things we can kind of, kind of take out of this story. 
Number one, Jesus steps into her world. Jesus didn't require her to come to him. He meets her in the world she's in. He, he goes into the Samaritan village. He meets her in the place that is normal for her. He loves her by stepping into her world, as we talked about last week. Secondly, Jesus didn't get hung up on the boundaries. Look at all the fences Jesus jumps over to enter into her world. Number one, there was the issue of culture. The Samaritans and the Jews, they had different understandings of culture, okay? And Jesus steps beyond that. The Samaritans and the Jews, they, they had racial ethnic tensions. See, the, the, the Jews, if you were a good Jew and you were walking down the street and all of a sudden you see a Samaritan come at you, you know what you'd do? You'd walk on the other side of the street. The Jews thought Samaritans were dogs. They were mixed breeds, ha, you know, half Jew, half something else. And they, they just despised them. They hated them. You ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? You know why that story was so scandalous to the Jews? Because the Samaritan was the hero. That's why it had so much punch when Jesus delivered it. Well, Jesus breaks through the tension of, of, of the, the racial ethnic tension there, the divide. And also, it wasn't just ethnic tension, it was religious tension. See, the, the Samaritans had developed as a people uh, several hundred years before. Babylonians came into to Israel, and they, they, what happened was the Babylonian captivity. They took a bunch of the, the, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and they took them to Babylon. The remnant of Jews that stayed there, a lot of them ended up intermingling with the other tribes around them and, and, and having kids. And, and so this, this, this group of people called the Samaritans emerged. Well, not only were they different ethnically by this time, they also had different views about God. Their Judaism that they'd started off with had, had now become mixed in with some of the other beliefs and, and kind of had developed the same way. So there was a religious divide. And then finally, there was the gender divide. You know, Jesus was a, a rabbi. He was a teacher. A rabbi is just a, a fancy word for teacher. And a Jewish rabbi wouldn't even talk to a stranger Jewish woman. <laughs> and here Jesus was talking to a, a woman who wasn't even a Jewish woman. She was a Samaritan. Jesus just walks right through every one of these barriers. That's why the woman is so surprised when Jesus shows up and he's like, can you give me a drink? She's like, what? <laughs> what, what, are, what are you what are you, a Jewish man, asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Is, is this candid camera or something? Is, this, is somebody playing a joke? This, this didn't fit in with her, her way of looking at things. It's, it's not something that happened. Next thing we can see that Jesus didn't demand for her to believe in him before he initiated relationship with her. Jesus didn't hand her a pamphlet <laughs> And said, hi, I'm Jesus, the Messiah. Do you believe in me? Okay, um, can I get a drink? <laughs> Jesus initiates conversation with her before she ever believes in him. Another thing that we see is that this is a great picture of Jesus' relationship with the Father. You may be saying, what? I don't even see anything in the scriptures that says anything about his relationship with his father. John five nineteen, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, the son, speaking of himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. See, what we see in this picture, Jesus is having an ordinary conversation, but he's in relationship with his father. He's listening to the woman, 
but he's also listening to his heavenly father. See, Jesus was a human. He was God, but he, as we mentioned last week, he, he laid his godness aside to, to be a, a human indwelt by the spirit of God. So he's listening to this woman, but he's also listening to God. So at some point he says, you know, give me a drink. And she says, okay. And they start having conversation. And then all of a sudden he hears, hey, ask her to bring her husband out here. Hey, why don't you get your husband to come out here? Uh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, that's right. She's had five husbands. And the guy that she's with right now isn't even her husband. That's right. He's like, this isn't your husband. You're, this guy you're shacking up with, he's not your husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five husbands. Jesus wasn't, and, and what's her answer there? I perceive that you're a prophet. She is basically saying, you're getting something that you wouldn't have got any other way. There's no other way you would have known this except by the Spirit of God. What does that show us? That shows that Jesus is alert to what God is doing as he's talking with this woman. He's listening to the woman, but he's also listening to God. Another thing we see here is that Jesus doesn't get just past the external barriers. He starts dealing with the internal barriers. Those are the real barriers, aren't they? You know, it's one thing to, to meet someone in their world. It's another thing to get past their internal defenses. We all got those, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> you got things on the inside that, that kind of keep others at bay. Jesus breaks through the shame barrier. See, understand this woman, she was out there getting water at noon. That's not when a woman would typically go get water in that culture. If you got, went to get water, it'd be later in the evening or early in the morning. Nobody went out to get water at noon. This probably speaks to her living condition. <laughs> she was shacking up with someone. She was ashamed. She was going out at a time where nobody would be out there. She might have even been ostracized by the community. Jesus meets her in that place. And when he begins to confront the sinful situation that she's in, does it drive her off? No. It, it goes past that barrier. See, I, I see Christians in the media all the time who, who love to, to come up to people and point their finger and say, you stupid, blah, 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 you're, you're, you know, you're, you're just sinning and God hates you and whatever. And what does that do to people? It alienates them further from God, doesn't it? Jesus well, you can see what happens with this woman when he confronts her sin. It doesn't alienate her. It doesn't push her further away. If anything, it breaks that barrier. Because understand, Jesus is doing this in relationship with his father. And so Jesus gets through the shame barrier and gets down to her deep questions about faith. Again, without engaging in any kind of boundary wars. You know, she starts saying, what about worship? You know, the Samaritans say that this mountain here is holy. This is where we need to worship. And the Jews say, you've got to go to the temple. What about worship? And Jesus, Jesus gets to that question. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard anybody tell you this? There's no such thing as a stupid question. But we all know that's not right, right? <laughs> How do we know that? Because we've all asked stupid questions before, right? At some point in your life, you may be afraid to ask questions in public now because maybe, maybe as a, you know, a, a little kid in elementary school, you asked a question that seemed totally legitimate to you at the time, and then everybody laughs at you. This woman feels free to ask Jesus. She perceives he's a prophet and actually feels free, even though he's just identified her sin, she feels free to ask him a question 
about God, about worship. Now, some, some theologians have said, well, she was just deflecting. She was just trying to, you know, it was getting too close to home, so she was trying. But I, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think she was beginning to feel comfortable with God. And so she was getting down to the very core things she felt about God. And understand how Jesus answers this question. Jesus answers this question in a way that what does it do? It breaks barriers yet again. So Jesus has broken the external barriers. He's broken the shame barrier. And now he answers with where you worship doesn't matter. It's not about this mountain. It's not about this temple. Actually, there's coming a day where you're going to be the temple. God's spirit is going to set up residency in your heart. And wherever you go is going to be a place of worship. Worship is actually going to spill over into everything you do because your life, your quality of being is going to be that of worship in reality from your spirit connected with God's spirit. And guess what? You're in luck. That day is, is right now. It's happening. You're in a good place. Jesus' answer breaks barriers. And what do we see? The result is movement towards God. We see the kingdom breakthrough. She invites the village out there. Many people encounter God and give their lives to him. See, one of the, one of the things that we don't realize is how utterly and completely Jesus has broken through the barriers that tend to divide us in this world. The Apostle Paul, I, I think I've got a few things in your outline there, I think. No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, there's a few... <laughs> Uh, a few things you can look at later. I won't go over them all right now. But, but Paul, in Galatians 3.28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Paul is saying, in this world out here, you're identified by being a male or a female or being from this side of town or that side of town, being this race or that race. You're identified by your political affiliation. But in Christ, the only identifier that matters now is Jesus. Everything else has become secondary. Jesus has broken through every barrier that the world has put on you to reach your heart. But it's not enough to just acknowledge that truth. That's got to actually affect the way that we relate to other people, doesn't it? See, I think, you know, I realized when Jesus met me, Man, I was, there was a lot of people that didn't want to have anything to do with me. You know, when Jesus met me, a lot of people had written me off. They're like, ah, don't go near that dude. He's messed up. I remember in a time in my life where I used to point at people saying, yeah, that dude's messed up. And then pretty soon I became that guy. But Jesus broke through all the barriers, the shame, addiction, alienation, depression. He broke through all those things and he met me. And that's usually where we stop. We're like, Yay. Jesus broke through my barriers. He loves me. But we can't stop there. We who have been reconciled to God must also be reconcilers. We who have had God break through every one of our walls must treat other people the same way. We can't afford to let the barriers in people's lives be barriers to us in the way that we love, in the way that we reach out to them. So, this is where I want to kind of get to a little uh, analogy. Now, I've, I've covered this a good bit with some people who've been around for the last year, but I, I found this one of the most helpful things that I've encountered uh, in, in helping me have a better understanding of, of the church and, and our Christian relationship. 
Yeah. Anybody want to see me hula hoop? Too bad. This is going to take some logistical stuff. This here, this circle, this represents my circle. This is everywhere where I'm, this is my space. You can get in my circle here. Uh, This is everything that is natural to me. So this is the boundary marker of my life. So I grew up out in West Texas, uh, white middle class family, very conservative neck of the woods. George W. came from Midland. And, uh, you know, it's, it, so there's certain things just from where I grew up, my family background, certain things that make totally, total sense to me. And so I view the world through this lens. And, and this is normal, right? The only problem is, you know, we all have this. You, you may not have brought a physical hula hoop, but we all have these things that, that just appear absolutely normal to us. This is my wife, Dina, who's not with us here this morning. <laughs> She's homesick. She had a way of looking at the world that was normal to her as well. And we, we began noticing right after we got married that there were a few problems. And they were usually little things. Like, for instance, my view, I come home, go to the bathroom, and wash my hands and wipe them off on the towels. Why did you wipe your hands off on those towels? Because they were in the bathroom. But those are decorative towels. What the heck's a decorative towel? It's to make the bathroom look pretty. Why would you put anything in the bathroom just to make it look pretty? Why, I mean, why have anything in the bathroom that doesn't serve a functional, practical purpose? Because that's just normal. It's normal to have decorative towels. So you see, our, our, our worldviews, our hula hoops were, were in conflict. Now, that, that was an easy one. For those of you who've been married, you, you, you understand that, that getting these two views to, to merge takes a good bit of time. I'm, I'm, I'll be married 13 years in the next month, and, and we, you know, we still hadn't completely got there, you know, because we've got our own versions of normal. But see, we don't only do it concerning ourselves, but we tend to like to put these big circles around people, don't we? We tend to relate to people, entire groups of people, and, and to even group our own selves in these circles. So I, I've got a a little analogy up here called bounded sets. This is a, a way of looking at, this is where a, a headset mic would come in. Good. Um, this is a way of grouping the world. So in other words, inside this circle, and this, this is just a term from, from math that we've redeemed for, for God, but because uh, <laughs> math is evil. Uh, Basically, in bounded set, you're in or you're out. And so this boundary can be, you could use this analogy to talk about, let's say, Republicans versus Democrats. So to get in the circle, you have to have certain ideas on government, taxes, social programs, and you're in. And if you don't have these, these ideas, that boundary, then you're out, right? Got it? You could say women, men, you, you could use it for a lot of things. Uh, thing is that we, we tend to apply the same... Wow, it almost matches perfectly. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It's like I planned it. Uh, we, we tend to apply the same understanding when it comes to church, though. And so, and this is just natural to us. So this barrier here may be going up and saying a prayer of, of belief in Jesus, or it may be 
attending a certain amount of Bible studies, uh, activities with the church. If you go to some churches, it may even be your, your political things. It may be your, your views on political things. It may be your dress. It may be how you talk. Like if you don't talk like this group of Christians or dress like them, then you're out of the group. And while that's kind of our default way of dealing with things, it's not very helpful when it comes to connecting with the world around us. Let's show another picture here. This is what we call centered set, another term for mathematics, uh, I've been told. Uh, we're going to, the, the centered, if you notice one thing about here, in this picture there's, there's no boundaries, right? There's no circle. What we have here in the middle is, is a central point. And the set of people, these are all the other people in the world. <laughs> this is Jesus here. The importance under a centered set understanding is not getting inside a boundary, but it's where are you moving? Where is your life heading? What's the orientation of your life? Is it heading towards Jesus or is it heading away from Jesus? See, we can look in the New Testament. If you look at a lot of stories in the gospel, you'll find that you could take, you know, a, a Pharisee. Pharisees were very close to Jesus culturally. They came, grew up in the same culture, the same religion. They, they probably hung out at the same corner deli. They, they did a lot of things the same way. So, so culturally, they're very close to each other. But Pharisees, were they moving towards Jesus? No, they were close to him, but they were moving away. You can look at this, this woman over here. We'll call this the Samaritan woman. She was nothing like Jesus. Different culture, different race, different religion, different morality. <laughs> but where's she going? She's heading towards Jesus. See, under a centered set understanding, you can give me the, the combo picture now. Under a centered set understanding, the, the, the understanding of church is not that you're just in, like I'm in the group now. Now it's where am I moving? Where is my life oriented? Because, you know, the reality is, under this understanding, you may have gone to a church 30 years ago and you went down when they sang Just As I Am and you prayed a prayer and you gave your life to Jesus and now you're in. You went through the membership classes and, and you learned how to talk and dress and get along with that. And that, that group, now it feels comfortable. It feels warm and cozy. But the reality is your life has been drifting away from Jesus for the last 15, 20 years. Think of it this way. I got married, I'll celebrate our 13th wedding anniversary on August 2nd. So when Dina and I go to celebrate our anniversary, having dinner, or maybe we'll go some special place, we're probably going to talk about our marriage a bit, you know? Like, hey, remember things. We may even remember the day that, that we got married. But that's really going to be a pretty small part of our, our conversation. I mean... We might think back to, the, to our, marriage, our actual marriage ceremony where we exchanged rings. See, that was just, that was a moment. That, that was, in a sense, a boundary marker in our lives. And that was important. But you know what's probably more important now than that is, do I still love my wife? <laughs> do I still care for her? Is my heart still moving in her direction? Have I let my love grow cold or, or am I still trying to take care? Am I still trying to do my part to take care of our marriage, to be in relationship with her? See, that's more of a centered set understanding. 
yeah, the boundary is important. The boundary, you know, it, it is important when you when you do. I know that, that that faith does call for a time where you want to step over the line and say, you know, I'm I'm not dating Jesus anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm committed to this thing. I'm gonna I'm following Jesus. No turning back. That's important. But more important than that, here and now, is where is your life oriented now? And you may think, well, what's that got to do with anything? What's it got to do with our relationship with the community? See, what we see in this story with Jesus is a brilliant picture of centered set ministry. Jesus is stepping into her world. He's not making her jump through his boundaries of of Jew, rabbi, uh, uh, male. He's not making her jump through all those things. He's actually breaking through all these barriers to reveal himself to her. See, you and I may have had an incredible encounter with Jesus and sincerely believe that following after him is the only way to live. But if we are simply trying to get people to jump into our circle, it's going to feel very cultural to them. You know? I mean, if if you grew up around Christianity, then maybe walking into a church may be pretty easy for you. You know? But if you're a philosophy professor over at SLU in Hammond, and you grew up in an entirely secular family, and you're an atheist, then for somebody from the church coming over to you saying, hey man, check out this latest Christian music CD, and, and look at this Bible study that Rick Warren wrote. Dude, what's that going to feel like to that atheist guy? It's going to feel like you're asking him to abandon his hula hoop for your hula hoop. And he's not going to do that. Most people don't want to give up normal for them. <laughs> For your normal. So, back to the question, how can we incarnate Jesus? How can we break into the world of other people and accept them on, our ter- on, on their terms? Well, this, this takes this approach to ministry. Jesus, we see, he steps into the world of the Samaritan woman. He's just having a conversation with her. He's listening to the Father. And at some point, God shows up. But he's not demanding her to become a Jew He's not demanding her to lose her hula hoop for his hula hoop. He's simply revealing God to her and letting her experience God on her own terms. And that becomes a question for us in dealing with the world around us. We're not trying to convert people to a certain culture because for many people, Christianity is is very cultural. It's It's just a culture. We're trying to get them to encounter a relationship with the living God because that'll change your life. And, and, and however a secular atheist at SLU encounters God, it may look different for him to express that than it does for you who grew up in a Christian family or for you that might have been a, a nominal Catholic all your life and just came, came to God later on in your life. So I want to close with uh, a, a couple of questions here. The first question today is, under this understanding... Forget about the world around us, but where are you in relationship to Jesus? Are you moving towards Jesus? Is your life heading in that direction? Is your, is your, do you have a vibrant relationship with God? Or have you begun to drift? Is your, is your arrow, <laughs> maybe you've been showing up to church for years, but you know, your life, is just, your heart is beginning to drift. Well, the central thing you need to get at is, you know, maybe I need to return to Jesus. Maybe I need to 
to, to reorient my life. Let Jesus be back at the center again. That's the first question. And if, if you're here today and that's you, then, uh, you know, and maybe you even want somebody to pray for you. So just say, man, you know, I, I, I do. I, I want to give my life back over to Jesus again. Then, hey, we would love to, to talk with you, pray with you, if that's you. Second question is, how can you help others adjust the orientation of their life? You know, those that are heading away from Jesus. <laughs> they're not he's not even on their radar how can you help them well it's very simple it doesn't take some big evangelistic gift as we talked about last week it's just a matter of entering into their world not getting hung up on the cultural political whatever barriers that we have in our world some of you you you, you might have trouble talking to somebody who's a of a different political persuasion you it's just it's just like going to be amazing to to actually carry on a conversation with another you know with a democrat or with a republican but just try to get past that and accept that person on their own terms and realize god loves them on their terms so for me you know trying to do this the other day i was at a party it was a birthday party for a kid that my son goes to class with. I didn't know anybody at the party. And so some of you may think that um, just because I have no problem talking in front of people that if I show up at a party that, hey, I can just jump into anything like that. I'm not like that. I'm usually the guy, if I don't know anybody, I'm the guy sitting over in the corner. You know, I just, just starting up conversations with strangers is, is a little weird to me. So I was that guy at the party the other night. And the one guy who just kind of latched a hold of me was the guy who uh, he had a case of beer out outside the party that the mom wouldn't let him bring in. He was a relative. And so he'd been kind of going out to the <laughs> to the truck and, you know, had, had been he'd obviously was a little happier than than most of the people at the party. And uh, he just starts talking to me. And at first I was just kind of annoyed this guy who was a little inebriated was just kind of talking some of it not real coherent to me but at one moment I just started saying well God if this guy's talking to me maybe you're up to something and maybe I just need to to practice what I'm preaching here (laughs) so I just I began just under my breath to just ask the Holy Spirit to come God just do something here you know just Reveal yourself to this guy. And, and I was just listening, listening to this guy, and, 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 and suddenly I, I stopped trying to engage this guy or, or get annoyed with him. I just, I just started to just try to listen to him, talk to him. And I can't say anything amazing happened in that moment. I know some of y'all are like, oh, hey, he sobered up and he found Jesus. And no. <laughs> no, but something changed in me. I became open to the love of God for this person, and I began to see him as a different person. Now he wasn't just an obnoxious drunk person. Now he was a person that God loved. And all of a sudden, instead of just trying to get out of the conversation, now I was listening to him. More than that, I was actually listening to God, too. So did anything happen with him? Not necessarily. Something happened with me, though, and I could use more of that. Anybody else? Can I get a witness? (laughs) So our challenge in the coming weeks, I know your homework lesson from last week, just repeat. But the challenge is, how can you just enter into the world of other people and listen to God for what he's saying? And just not put any pressure to, to change the other person. Just listen for what God's doing. And when you see that God's opening a window, then begin to nudge that person over towards Jesus. 
doesn't have to be anything super spiritual, crazy. Matter of fact, probably the less super spiritual, the less crazy you make it, the more that it won't come across to them as cultural, but it'll reveal God to them on their terms. I'm going to stop there. But I, I, I just I ask that you would process this stuff yourself. Just begin to ask God this week. And if you haven't been following along online, online we come up with we've been kind of going through uh, these ideas of, of incarnating God's presence. You know, being incarnational and as a church, we've been going over that in the devotional readings this last week. I invite you to check those out. I think that's really if you start. Reading that stuff every day, it will help you to keep mindful of these things because most of you are not going to remember first thing Monday morning to try to enter into the world of others and listen for God. You're not going to, okay? <laughs> so I, I encourage you, check our website out. and We've got those devotionals every day. Why don't you all stand and I'll, I'll close this with a word of prayer.